Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship pod here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Should say almost always. I did miss out miss out on last week's uh, Debbie Debate X Campus Life crossover episode. So uh, it sounded like you guys had some fun uh, on that one. You and Felix and Matt, thank you guys for holding down the fort for a week for me while I was occupied otherwise. So. We always have fun. We always have fun. It's always um, entertaining, to say the least, getting those two on. And I just enjoy sitting back and, and letting it happen sometimes and letting letting the chaos ensue. That was me the first the almost year of Deputy Debate, probably, <laughs> where they're like, you have you have to talk. Um, I think my, my silence was endearing, though. Uh, I did get a lot of love letters during that time from anonymous fans. Um, Felix just knows buttons to press on people, man. Like he does. he does. He's so good at it. The past two days, him and I, at least I think this is what's been happening, of having a very <laughs> passive aggressive, like <laughs> shitty takes of the other person on Twitter back and forth. <laughs> he liked something I said, one or two things I said about Penix. So then I liked one or two things that he said about Brock Vandergriff. <laughs> and then he found like an EJ Smith one. And like we've just been going back and forth and liking like three year old tweets of uh that were just did, did not age well so at least I, I i think that's what's happened he, he's good at it he's good he's really really good interesting i'm actually mo the, my biggest takeaway from that is at some point you were hyping up ej smith uh i wasn't hyping him i had said something i don't have the tweet in front of me and i'm not gonna go look for it but it was something like it was before last year and it did look like that backfield was going to be his and then he got hurt mm. and i said something about um, he like, it's, it's like that 200 pound, 210 pound back. That's almost more of a receiving back than a running back. And Felix yeah. just hates that archetype. Of yeah. Player. And, uh, right, right or wrong. I mean, I'm, I, 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 I'm sure there are probably one or two that are like that in that category that he's been wrong on. And there's plenty that I have been as well, the opposite direction. So everyone kind of has those archetypes of players. They just don't really like, do you have, do you have one Colin? like at any position? Good players. I know you do. You really I, don't like good yeah, players. Yeah. Um, I don't love the battering ram running backs that Felix does seem to like. The guy, the the Mayan Williams. Oh, he'll fight you on that. They're, they're not battering rams. They're slippery. The Phil Moffa, those uh -huh. those types of guys, I tend to not really uh, go after. I like the more elusive, like, elusive receiving back type, like that type of a profile. Because shake and bake. Yeah, so I, I was on I was on EJ Smith for for a while. I have all the way up until the very beginning of this year when he's been ghost. Uh, so now I'm off of him. But could have been could have been their scatabo. But yeah, that was that was what I thought. I was like, man, he's gonna explode in the offense for CFF if nothing else, and that has not been the case. Cool. Well, fair enough. All right. Well, Colin, we actually have quite a bit to talk about tonight um we're gonna i had a whole not a whole show sheet but i had like in my head the things that i wanted to talk about last week because it was kind of that mid-season point you guys talked and covered that angle i think uh but I, I there there's a little bit from last week that i that i'm putting into this week plus we have to cover everything that happened we got our waivers we've got our start sits so uh let's hop into this before we do though um i am just gonna we don't we don't always do the uh the the uh a home field ad on the show but i do think it is kind of getting to the point of the year i just went and re-upped like i love their their t-shirts and stuff 
But my favorite thing at home field is the sweatshirt sweatpants. I just went and bought another pair of both, actually two two sweatshirts and a pair of sweatpants. Um, they're just insanely comfy. So definitely go ahead. Uh, promo code Campus Canton, fifty percent off. Um, for, it has to be the first time you've ever used that email. You know what to do. We've gone over this before. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a whole a whole actual sweatsuit right now. It's just comfy as shit, and I'm just sitting here doing this podcast. It's it's good stuff. So, go check that out. Um, all right, what uh, we're gonna start this episode, Colin? We had so we've had uh, either you know singular intriguing performances, or now a couple of weeks for some of these guys. And I think I want to ask you, what do we kind of make of some of these trends? And I want to start actually with a singular performance, and that's Caleb Williams. Uh, USC quarterback who struggled. I think that's probably putting it mightily. I, I, it was very clearly the worst game of his career by a long shot against Notre Dame this weekend. Uh, a couple of interceptions, uh, forcing the ball, the hero ball stuff that I, he tends to do, but it just d- didn't work at all this this weekend. Um, on the flip side, Drake May had himself a pretty good game, so we're starting to hear. Uh, as we tend to do when these guys have been in the spotlight for a couple of years, some pushback on the prospect profile, a little bit of prospect fatigue, I think, settling in. But what do we make of Caleb Williams' struggles against Notre Dame? Because they are really the first good defense that they've played this year. And he did struggle last year, you know, against the, the Utah and, and, and schools like that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that the prospect fatigue is definitely a big factor with this right now. We've been, everybody's been saying Caleb Williams is this perfect prospect. And I saw anonymous scouts coming out and saying like, he would have been taken ahead of Joe Burrow and he would have been taken ahead of, I can't remember the other one, Kyler Murray, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Trevor Lawrence Lawrence was the other one was the other one. Yeah. And I was never like really there on Caleb Williams. I think he's a really good player and a really good prospect, but I, I never, I still would have would have taken Trevor Lawrence over him. Um, so I, I think you're, you're you're getting some of that prospect fatigue right now. And yes, he he did have a bad game against Notre Dame. That was by all all standards, that was a terrible game. Um, and, and he has struggled against some of the better defenses that he has played. But I still think I, I have him as my QB one. I don't want to overreact too much to this game. That that offense as a whole. Um, didn't look great. Uh, he, he, his receivers, he doesn't have a go-to guy anymore. Like he kind of had a Jordan Addison for stretches most of, of last year uh, as kind of the guy that he could go to if he ever needed it. And, and he doesn't really have that. He's kind of been elevating some slightly above average talent uh, in that receiver room. And I think it just kind of caught up with him on this one. And like you said, there was the, a lot of hero ball out there and, and he felt like he needed to be the hero. And I'm sure he, you know, has been kind of feeling that way for a while. And it just kind of caught up to him on this one. I think it's a good point that he probably feels like he has to be the hero because if you look at the defense and the defense actually was not awful in this game. No, I would not say the defense cost in this game. Now, no, Notre Dame was scoring on most of their drives. They were short fields. Maybe they would have been able to march 80 yards every time instead of the 30 or whatever, but I definitely wouldn't put uh, this, result on the defense at all in fact i think they had a couple of uh pretty nice stops uh to cut drives pretty short i don't, I don't know if they had three and outs but you know might have gotten that that first first down and then uh stopped them from there um i yeah i so i 
I have been pretty vocal saying I don't think he's a better like NFL prospect than Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I don't want to say that, you know, it's not close or anything like that. I mean, I think once you get to the top there, it's all kind of relative. I get where some of the fantasy minded people, because this is also that time of year where we're going to start hitting this dichotomy where you've yeah. got the fantasy people talking about who the best prospect is that matches what we want. And then you've got the NFL draft people who are going to be, and they're they're They should in theory be aligned, but they're not always because, you know, if you've got a running back who uh, is, is a great pass catcher, but maybe not great between the tackles. I mean, I don't think we thought Jameer Gibbs was going to go as high as he ended up going last year, but we, as the fantasy community had Gibbs as a top two back because like, you know, the top five guy in the class for our purposes, because we, we liked kind of his all around three down skill set. Um, so you do start having to kind of pay attention to that a little bit here. And I do get a little bit of where people say that Caleb Williams is uh, from at least a fantasy perspective as good, or if not a, a slightly better prospect than Trevor Lawrence, but I do think he is a worse quarterback. And I do think if you can, um, it, it's notable that I think if you can kind of, if you have the ability to knock him off the first slash second read and can also keep him in the pocket, I think that's where Caleb Williams really struggles. And I think most quarterbacks who kind of rely on their legs would struggle in those similar circumstances. It's not a uniquely Caleb thing. But that's kind of exactly what Notre Dame did. They were athletic enough up front to keep, you know, maybe five, six guys on the rush, kind of keep him hassled, but still in the pocket. They weren't giving up anything downfield, really. And that's kind of what Caleb was was really, really looking for, and, and, and it wasn't there. Um, I'm not making anything of this. He is still my QB one in the class. I do think it's kind of one of those, uh, you know, Drake may is way closer to him than anybody is to Drake may type deals. But I think that's been fairly obvious for, uh, a while now. Um, so I, I'm not really reacting to this at all, all, all of that to say, I, and I think, we, I think we're both on the same page there. I, I'm interested to see how he bounces back. I do think it is a little notable that when he has faced some tougher defenses over the past two years, he has not had great performances. Uh, if you're looking at last year's stats, the three big defenses he played, uh, Oregon State, he went 16 for 36 for 180 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Against Utah the first time, he went 25 for 42, so under 60% completion percentage, but did have 381 and five, like very efficient on that, uh, on those throws. Uh, Notre Dame, when he played them last year, uh, completed 81% of his passes, but you know only 230 yards passing there. Um, and then that Utah game, they they clamped him after the first 20 minutes or so, um, and, and he really struggled. Although he uh, was a little injured there, so I, I think it is worth noting a little bit. You know, some of these superhuman performances that we have seen out of him have been against, uh, quite frankly, not great defenses too. So. But, you know, whatever that's worth, I, I don't really know. Yeah, I think it's also uh, that's a fair point. I mean, the Pac-12 is not known for their defensive prowess. Um, you know, they're they have a lot of high flying offenses. So there's a lot of shootouts. There's a lot of games where he needs to get all of those counting stats. Um, but he hasn't faced too many great defenses. Um, and, and like you pointed out, the, the, the times he does, he does struggle a little bit. Now, that second Utah game, you know, notwithstanding. So it's Caleb Williams is going to be a very difficult player for that dichotomy. Like you were saying with between fantasy and real life quarterback. But I think for, 
fantasy purposes, he's still my QB one and would have been my QB one in like the last two classes. Um, you think he's a better prospect than Justin Fields was? I think he's right there on par with Justin Fields. I would probably give Williams a slight edge um, given the, the Lincoln Riley effect versus Ryan Day's scheme kind of ha- has not shown to prepare f- at least Fields in a way that was uh, it didn't prepare him as well as, as Riley's quarterbacks have. So I would probably give it a slight lean to Caleb Williams, but that's not, it's not a wide margin by any means at all. Um, I think I would put him just over fields too. Um, yeah, again, kind of ignoring and separating what have we seen in the NFL versus what we thought he'd yeah. be. Um, right. so yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, Colin. So that's what we make of Caleb Williams this past weekend. What do we make of Devontae Walker's performance? uh for this weekend uh against miami um i think we've talked about it on the show and i want to i want to cover this from a couple different angles uh but i want to start with current value first you know this is a guy that i think we had as a collective right around our top 15 wide receivers uh in the country coming into the season he got the news that he was not going to be eligible so i think we reacted to that but in the two games that he's been back so far, uh, eight targets and seven targets. He's got six catches in both, 175 yards total, and then the three touchdowns that he had this past weekend. Um, I, I think we know about the size adjusted athlete that he is. I think we know um, you know, that he's had some good performances against really strong teams, despite the fact that he has himself has not been on a good team over the past couple of years. Um, he's older. I mean, I think there's a lot of things to balance with Devontae Walker when you're looking at his profile. Um, where, where do you have him right now, Colin? And is, like, do you have him ranked in the right spot? Are you, are you reconsidering where you have him right now? Man, he is, he is so tough to rank right now. Um, I think, the performance that we just saw from him may end up being his best performance of the year, but I think he could have very similar performances, you know, hundred yards touchdown or two in there, you know, seven ish catches, I think could be a realistic week to week option for him in this offense, given that he's going to be catching passes from such a great quarterback like Drake may. Um, and he seems to already have stepped in and be that number one target that, you know, it, it kind of flowed back and forth at different times. Um, Nate McCollum could be Pesor. And now they have a number one like Walker. So I, I think he could have some really nice performances to close out the year. There was a lot that there's a lot to like for about him from a Debbie perspective, size, speed guy. Um, I think he wins downfield well, too. Like, I think that can be one of his calling cards. There needs to be a little bit of development and refinement as well. Like, you know, coming from a Mac school, that's kind of to be expected. But he's a fifth-year guy, so how much more can we expect that? So he is one of the toughest players to rank right now for me. I have him as my wide receiver 17 in C2C. Uh, I have him right in a group with um, Malik Neighbors at 14, Troy Franklin, 15, Keon Coleman, 
16, Devontae Walker, 17, Malachi Corley, 18, Torrey Horton, 19. And then that's C that's CFF, or I mean C2C. If we're starting to look at a Debbie ranking, then I think he probably slots in pretty close to that group there as well. So he's top 20 for me, I think, on both sides. So, but we just haven't seen a lot from him right now. So it, I think it's a difficult eval. Yeah, we have him. I have him 14th. You have him 17th as a group. We have him at at uh, 14th, like all of us, if you combine our consensus rankings. Um, and the range overall is pretty close. Um, I think the highest person on him uh, is Felix, who has him at 12, and the lowest is PJ at 18. So we we've yeah. all got him, you know, within a a pretty condensed range there. Yeah, I mean, I I. I think you kind of covered I, I think the rest of the season you know we were we were saying you know what can what can Nate McCollum be what can Kobe Pesor be without Walker but I think now that Walker's back I, he's just got to be the de facto uh number one guy I don't feel weird saying that shout out to anybody who went out and had the cojones to buy him <laughs> while That's this whole thing was going on cojones um, is the right word I, I don't know that his price ever you know, dropped to the point where it was a freebie or a throw-in or anything like that. But I think I think this leads into kind of what I wanted to ask you next, which just kind of what was our process right? Because I, I dropped him about 10, 15 spots. I thought, you know, we're not getting this guy this year. He's going to be even older next year. Probably no Drake May. You know, I think we like Connor Harrell, but we haven't, you know, I don't think he's Drake May either. And you know, this, this offense, we're kind of been saying that the, Drake May's good in spite of kind of the offensive coordinator that they have there. So does Harrell have that same ability to kind of overcome that? So I think, I don't think it was necessarily wrong to drop him. Um, you, I mean, how did you drop him? How far did you drop him? I, do you I think, did. Do you think I, we were wrong to do that? I, I don't think we were. No. I don't think we were wrong to do it. I dropped him pretty far. I, I dropped him down into like the fifties. Whoa. Okay. Um, because if we weren't going to see him this year, this is already his fifth year out of high school. Um, you know, if we're not going to see him at all this year, he would then be out of school for six years. And I, I don't think early declare is everything, but I think that late declare sixth year guys, you don't see very many of them hit at the NFL level. So if, if Devontae Walker is out of school for six years now, I don't know what that Debbie potential is going to be. And then if he doesn't even have Drake May as his quarterback in a uh, off in a Chip Lindsay offense, that's not really known for throwing the ball that much. I don't know what his CFF production would have been. So I still liked the player, but I was having a really hard time reconciling that with all of the other context around him. So I did nuke him pretty far. But now that he's back, I brought him back up. Okay. I think that was a little <laughs> bit aggressive overall. I mean, we didn't know far. who we were going to see him, you know? like if it, So let's say we don't see him at all this year. What would your expectations have been for him next year? I think the thing is, with a guy that's as big and fast as he is, and like I don't think he's just big and fast, I just think crushing him that much because we weren't going to see him this year, hypothetically, seems a little aggressive, especially when I go look at like what, 
what the 40s look like in my rankings, the 40s and 50s, like I'm pulling out my top 50 right now. Like in the 40s, it's basically like the CFF guys, you know, Terrell Vaughn, Derwin Burgess, Xavier Weaver, LeJounte Wester. It's all those guys. So I don't know. Would you have would you have traded him for any of those guys? I don't if I if was desperate, I could have been maybe talked into it at one point. But yeah. I don't think in terms of ranking, I would have moved him that low, if that makes sense. If we are at this point in the year right now, with week eight, heading into week eight, and I'm a contender and I need one more piece and Devontae Walker still isn't playing. Yeah, I, I would strongly consider moving him straight up for Xavier Weaver, straight up for a Terrell Vaughn type player. Like I would strongly consider that if we're at this point in the year. So should I have nuked him that far? Maybe not, but I don't regret it. Also, mostly because I had him in two leagues and I just wasn't going to move him really at that point. Like I did, it didn't come across a time where I needed to make that decision. You weren't, you never were that desperate. I was not, I was not. That's shocking to me because I've seen some of your teams. Um, all right, let's let's go on here. What do we make of Ollie Gordon's resurgence? I don't know if we can call it a resurgence. He's a second year back. It's not like he, you know, had been disappointing for years and, and now we're believers. This is a guy that kind of got dogged all offseason. I think you guys talked a little bit about it on last week's show that that they they I really about it. <laughs> they they kind of negged him all mm-hmm. offseason. And then he starts off this this year kind of slow. They're not giving him a ton of carries, but week four, Iowa State, they they gave him 20. And since then, it's kind of been, or sorry, 18. And it's kind of been, you know, over from there in terms of being a competition in that backfield. He's gone over 100 yards. He's gone over 120 yards each of the last three weeks. Got a couple of touchdowns in there. I think the receiving work has been something that was really interesting. I think we thought that he had some receiving chops, but he's gotten 13 targets over the past three games, 11 catches. Uh, He had 116 receiving yards last week. I want to get your opinion, kind of what we should expect from him in the future. He's like, I think he's a, he's got good size. He's a pretty good athlete. I don't think he's an amazing athlete, but he's not terrible either. Um, I don't know that I'm watching him and seeing stuff that's terribly translatable in terms of being like a second, third round pick. He feels more like a really early day three guy. I don't know. What do you think of what he's been doing so far? I mean, I think it's at least in terms of like CFF production, uh, it's it's been impressive the last couple of weeks. And, you know, shout out to anybody who who stuck with him because, yeah, he got negged early in the season, like you said, and and I started to move off of him because of what Gundy was saying about it. You know, when a coach talks that badly about a player, it's like, all right, well, maybe we need to start listening to this too. Um, But, you know, a fool me once situation, we'll see. But in terms of a Debbie potential, yeah, I I would agree with that. I think I see him as like a fourth round type guy, maybe even into the fifth, depending on his testing. Because I don't think he's a a great athlete. I think he's a solid athlete. the receiving traps are are nice to see, but I I still think he's like a fourth ish round guy. But you're gonna get another year from him. So I've I've been impressed with with Ali Gordon. He's definitely been somebody that has risen for me. And uh, you know, in last week's show, I talked about I think he's gonna have a big second half of the season. So I think he's gonna continue to rise. 
What's their rest of season schedule look like, Colin? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't, but they are Big Twelve. I don't. They haven't played Oklahoma yet, so they, they, I a, know they have the super soft schedule this year because everyone's saying they could win like eight or nine games and just be total ball crap. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so here's here's the rest of their schedule, Colin. I have it in front of me here. So they are okay. at West Virginia this week, and they have Cincinnati at home, Oklahoma at home, at UCF, at Houston, and BYU. That's a pretty juicy juicy uh group of games there would you say okay let, let's 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 ask some more important questions here because it's all fine it's good to say yeah i think he's a good player is he a buy high right now uh yeah i do think he's a buy high right now because of that soft second half of the schedule there like you were saying that's that's you know um there's it's not like a, a cupcake schedule but in terms of like a power five schedule it, it's pretty soft and then he's got another year. I mean, he's, he's just a sophomore, so he's got at least one more year. Um, so, and then I don't see that quarterback situation and that passing attack improving that much between now and next year. No, you don't, you don't think any of those guys are just prime for breaking out. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a, an offensive focal point next year too. So I would buy high right now. And I put that in quotes because I think he's only going to continue to rise. What would you buy him for? What would you send the other way? Oh, man, that's tough. I think it would depend on what situation my team was in. I mean, I'm buying him agnostic of whether I'm competing or I would attempt to buy him whether I'm uh, competing or rebuilding because he has that the extra year at least. So I think it would kind of depend on what situation I was looking for, but let's say I'm, I'm competing and I want that production down the stretch and the additional years there. I would probably pay a third round supplemental for him. Um, if I, if I'm in that situation, that feels a little cheap to me. If I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell him for close to that personally. Okay. If, I, if I had him, I um, wouldn't do a first, a second would be tough. So I, I think it would be I tough don't mind sending picks. seconds sometimes, especially if you have a good team. Like you've seen some of these sub drafts. I mean, as long as your yeah. league has some form of waiver, by pick 208, like how do you feel about the player pool? Like in terms of, you know, projectable NFL high end upside. Not great at that point, right? Last year it was what you were picking that range. Like this is not the dog any of these players. We liked the profiles, but there was plenty of uncertainty here as there are with all of these kids obviously you're taking like cam selden in that range you're taking um cordell russell some places in that range um you know shelton sampson i got him in that late a couple times really i don't know if Mm -hmm. i ever saw him quite fall that far i don't think dickie quite fell that far either that's why i wasn't kind of i didn't see dickie fall that far i saw lemon fall I know some leagues if people weren't necessarily caught up on like recent news that Carnell Tate was falling a little bit. Um, but none of my leagues he was falling that far. Um, no. but I mean I so I like that's the kind of player that you're getting in that range. Would you tell me tomorrow? Like I have Selden ranked higher than Ollie Gordon because I just think the athletic upside is so good that if he can hit, I think just what you're getting is a monster. And I don't know that Ollie Gordon's upside is so high that that would offset that for me. Like I would feel good enough, but like I wouldn't mind like just trading that pick. And if this Selden's the guy that end, that pick ends up becoming, it's like, Oh, well, you know what I mean? I, second uh, mid late second of my, if I think my team's good, like I, I, I would send that for Ollie Gordon. I've sent it for worse. 
I've said it for words. <laughs> I can tell you that. Uh, okay, I I could I could see you know if if I'm competing like I like I am in this scenario, then I would assume my pick would be a little later. So I could I could be convinced to do a later second. I would probably start with the third though. I have so many thoughts in general that I just need to kind of put in one place beyond just like my four basic rules for trading in campus to Canton leagues. Um, in terms of like what kind of refresh people and what those four rules are. Do I need to do it right now? You don't have to. I I don't remember the four of them off the top of my head. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, If you can look them up on time, I know that it's like never trade an NFL stud for college Mm -hmm. players only Uh, never trade NFL players for CFF only assets. Uh, it's the only two I remember. I know there's four though. Um, I, I have a lot of other thoughts on trading and I think kind of like you always need to ask yourself when you go into C2C trades, like what is the purpose of this trade for me? What is the nature of the asset that I'm moving? What is the nature of the asset that I'm receiving? Like, is there a lot of uncertainty or risk around the asset that I'm moving is vice versa around the, the one that I'm receiving. I think you kind of got to ask yourself that. And then you kind of piece together a philosophy based on those questions. I actually think the way to acquire Ollie Gordon right now, if you don't want to do like a sub pick, because I think it's it's always really hard to go buy a player like Ollie Gordon with like another True. college player. Yeah. You have you have the four of them. OK, give me two seconds and then hop in and give us the four. <laughs> just <to the> refresh. <laughs> go, uh, yeah, you, you keep going. Keep going. Um, I think the easiest way to get him is like your NFL team is like not a strong contender and you move a like Stefan Diggs for, uh, like Malik neighbors, Ollie Gordon and like another piece or something like, you know, like a little NFL piece or something like that. Like, I think that's kind of the way that you make that trade, like as kind of almost like a, a throw in quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I don't really know, I, I but I because I, I think some of those other deals are kind of hard to work out. What what are my four rules by the way? Let's see. Um, your four rules: never, ever, under any circumstances, in any situation, ever, even if they're or, or, or not even if I was, that's, no, that's I was trying to yeah yeah not, not even if there's a fire step brother. I was trying to do the office quote. It's not actually in the in the thing, but never ever under any circumstances ever trade an NFL stud for college players only. It's a great way to end up with a shell of an NFL squad. Um, The easiest way to, rule number two, the easiest way to approximate an NFL for CFB trade is to figure the NFL's value in rookie picks and go from there. Use an example of Deontay Johnson being worth a first and second. And this This, is like a hypothetical. Yeah. Uh, Rule three, CFF players should generally be moved for freshmen and sup picks or as sweeteners in other trades. Don't trade NFL players or Debbie assets for solely CFF producers. Four, if you can, if you can set your league's market. So be the first to market. There we go. Man, smart stuff there. Really smart. So there, there's, our, there's our thoughts on Ollie Gordon. I don't, I don't know if we have anything else to bring that home. <laughs> we don't. We don't. But Ollie Gordon, good player. Buy him. All right. Uh, two final ones here that I think kind of go together. We've been talking on this show, on other shows. We talk all the time about year one zero theory, and I finally released an article on it uh, for any people that are new listeners or just not haven't heard us talk about this before. It's basically um, some very small, minimal production thresholds for true freshmen, like first year out of uh, high school uh, freshman wide receivers. 
um, that and they need to hit at least one of them in order for them to uh, be legitimate, you know, Debbie NFL assets further down the line. And the the numbers on this suggest, you know, if you don't hit any of these thresholds, you have about a three percent chance of being fantasy relevant in the NFL or having a single fantasy relevant season. It goes up to about 17 percent. Uh, if you do hit at least one of them. So it's, it's significantly higher. It's not a foolproof way, but it's a good way to filter out the guys that probably are not going to make it. Uh, and it tends to be because the thresholds are so low, things like 10 catches, 100 receiving yards, five rushes, 115 scrimmage yards. There's there's a return aspect in there. It's, it, it's very, very low. Um, that even players in loaded rooms tend to, uh, if they're good, tend to hit. And the example that always comes to my mind is Jamison Williams, who actually did hit thresholds his freshman year in that receiver room at Ohio State with all those other guys there. So um, crowded room, not an excuse. We've been seeing some of our top favorite guys come off the board here. They're hitting them. Zach Branch, Deuce Robinson, Jonte Cook, Carnell Tate. Um, uh, any other top guys that have been hitting it, Colin? Mikhail Lemon. Mikhail Lemon did hit it. Uh, that was off of returns, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's some production, but he got that off of returns. Um, did you say Eugene Wilson? I did not say Eugene Wilson. Yeah, Eugene yeah, Wilson. Some, hit it. some kind of some of those top guys in the class. They're all hitting it. There have been some names. Matthews, I think, hit it too. Yeah, but he's like ranked so low. And this yeah. isn't to like make light of Mike Mikey Matthews, but we're talking about am I buying a Utah wide receiver? No, yeah. realistically, no. Fair. Sure. I was just I was just saying people who hit it, but I was trying to come up with other ones you hadn't named. Yeah, I don't know. There might be one or two other ones, too. It's been kind of a lean year so far. Uh, it has. For some of these guys hitting. Um, but we still have six weeks. So, I mean, there's there's obviously really what we do at starting this time of the year. Actually started a few weeks ago is we really are monitoring how many snaps these guys are getting each week. Um, and that kind of tells us whether we think they're they're probably going to get there or not. So, we've been talking a lot about a couple of, of players here. Uh, really, Jurion Dickey, Brandon Innes, kind of the two big ones. But there are some other top names around there as well. Uh, well, two of them had long touchdowns this week that get them closer some of these yardage threshold thresholds and i'm gonna start with brandon ennis who had a 58 yard touchdown in ohio state's win this weekend over purdue that takes his yearly receiving total to 58 58 yards <laughs> <laughs> and his total receptions to one <laughs> it's uh really it's the first thing that he did this year uh and it's still the only thing that he's done Colin, I want to ask you how many a blowout for Ohio State, and I think this offense is starting to come around a little bit. So you know, maybe they get one or two more games like this. Maybe how many snaps did Brandon Innes play this weekend? If you had to guess, I'm assuming you don't know the answer to this off the top of your head. Well, that's actually offensive because I do know the answer to this off do the top really? of my head. I do. Yes, I looked it up because I have been a staunch proponent of don't sell Brandon Innes for pennies yet. I'm not ready to sell him. I wanted to hang on to him. I wanted to see what he would do. And he had that one catch for 58 yards. So we're getting a lot closer to that, uh, that uh, year one zero threshold than we were yeah. last year. He played six snaps. I, I want He did. And for the record, I have never advocated selling for peanuts. No. What I have <laughs> said is before the value tanks, you sell them for approximately what you paid or somewhere within that range. I've never said sell for peanuts. So no. I just want to, I want to. No, I know. I know we're on different sides of this and we have been, but I'm wondering now, like, I think the one catch for 58 yards is going to like convince those who were either still in or kind of like 
out, but like could be convinced. I think this is going to steer them back toward I want to buy Brandon Innes. Do you, would you buy Brandon Innes today after this? Um, I see now we might be flipping here because I'm not, I'm the answer for is no for me. So I don't think you're not, not okay. Anywhere. Okay. I'm not, I, it would depend on the price. I would be willing to float out a couple of offers if I can get him for, uh, a late second or a third in that Ollie Gordon range we were talking about before. Uh, I would do that. If I could get him for, if I'm not competing this year, if I could trade some expiring senior players like um, a Terrell Vaughn and RJ Harvey for Brandon Innes, I would do that. But the six snaps only six snaps is a little worrying. Now, granted, he did tie um, for fourth on the team in snaps at the receiver position. They just really have not been rotating receivers. It's just surprising to me. They used to do it all the time. And I know, like, you can, I mean, I guess if you look at those receiver rooms, I guess it kind of makes sense. You know, you had, mm-hmm. you know, Harrison Jr., Jackson Smith and Jigba, Mike Ekbuka, <laughs> Garrett uh, Wilson, Garrett Chris Olave, Chris Olave, all of at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, we're not saying that the players that are there now are necessarily that caliber, obviously, like Buka and Harrison, notwithstanding. Right. But I also think that there are still some talented guys there. I, th- I think Tate's ta- more talented than the snaps he's getting. I think Innes is more talented than the snaps he's getting. Mm-hmm. Shit. I think Noah Rogers is probably more talented than the snaps he's been getting, and I've been Which very vocal all year that I, I, I'm, not buying, <laughs> I'm not buying Noah Rogers because I think he's going to be the odd man out. But yeah. like I, don't, I think he's more talented than zero snaps. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's it's a tough it's a tough read on that situation right now because I I don't love the the snap percentage, but I do I'm okay with where he is in the pecking order. Like I said, he was getting four he was tied for the fourth most amount of snaps last week. Um, for whatever reason, they like to keep using Xavier Johnson. I don't really know why. He's not a bad player. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> he's he's not a bad player. He's just not an Ohio State caliber wide receiver. He's crazy versatile. And I think if you have him on your team as Ohio State, he's the guy that you want to like rotate in like 12 to 15 snaps. And there's three to five designated touches in there a week. I do think it's a little weird that he gets so much run. Yeah. And this isn't like a, cause I think sometimes we talk about some of these things and it's just like very much like a fantasy centric wishful thinking yeah. line of mm-hmm. thinking. Xavier Johnson like is fairly electric, but he also like he's not a great receiver. Yeah. Like he's not a guy like if you're Ryan Day and you're looking at what he's doing, you can design a handful of things every week for him. But he's not like a guy that you're looking at the rest of that receiver room and saying like I have to like build a program. Like this program has to continue building. And Harrison and Ibuka leave after this year, and Tate's the only guy out there really getting many snaps. Like what are you gonna do at that point? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not advocating like going out and just like buying him for ridiculous like buying him at the value that he was originally at i have dropped him uh in my in my rankings and he is uh now i gotta go find him wide receiver uh 21 um him makai lemon uh adnai mitchell and travis hunter like all in that group i've dropped Um, him further than that i have him 23 so not too far not too far. Um, so, but I'm not, 
moving him back up at this point, but I would buy in that price range. Yeah, I'm still, I think this is a great, I think this is a sell window. I think this is a great sell window. Mm-hmm. Um, because, well, I, I, there's a lot of different reasons why, and I, they're all bouncing around in my head. I'm trying to kind of figure out how I want to structure what I'm about to say. They do bring in a very good freshman class next year. For now, no one's signed on the yeah. dotted line yet, but it looks like they're going to get Jeremiah Smith, who is, depending on who you talk to, the number one wide receiver in the class. You know, he's the latest, greatest Julio comp, um, you know, whatever else. Very, very good prospect. We have him as our wide receiver, too. Um, probably would have been wide receiver one of this past class, I believe, based on our current grading system, based on on, on all of that. Um, they have him. They have Mylon Graham, who we also think is like our equivalent of a five-star, essentially. Um, so... I think they're going to push them for playing time next year. I I, I don't really know. I, I don't, they haven't ever hit the portal with this kind no, of stuff. I don't think they but will. It, it, it is going to be a very thin room next year. Like I am really interested in experience wise, what they do. Yes. 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 They, they need to start getting some of these guys more snaps. Yeah, they do. I and, think Tate and... leads the room, but yeah. Yeah. I feel very good about Tate leading the room. If, if for whatever, if, if you can go buy Tate right now, I think Tate would be a buy um, oh, yeah. because he's the one that I feel the best about leading that room next year. So, I mean, for what that's worth, but I, I have not dove real deep in depth into this freshman class yet. I'm not part of the recruiting team. So I have not sat down and officially graded Jeremiah Smith, Mayan Graham, um, McClellan, those guys, but I have a hard time seeing them being head and shoulders above Brandon Innes to the point where they would earn snaps ahead of him next year, and they would just relegate him behind him on the depth chart. So that's another piece of this that I'm having a hard time reconciling. That That's going to be the conflicting part, and I'm interested to see who plays out of the slot for them. Yeah. Because like Book is gone, and... um. They said this offseason they didn't want Tate to play there. Now, maybe that changes next year. Maybe he you know, picks up the offense a little more. But your options are, you know, maybe Julian Fleming, if he comes back for one more year, I think he has one more. But I don't think he can play the slot. They have Tate. They'll have Ennis. They have Mylon Graham, who I think is tailor-made for the slot. They're not a lot. Noah Rogers. I don't think, can really play there. Uh, I, I don't think they really have anything else there. I, I think it's really, really interesting. So, I I also do think there is a chance that Brandon Innes could just be one of those guys that there's not many, like there's really not many There's three or four that have become fantasy relevant that didn't do it. Could Innes be the next one just based on what's available in front of him? Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't want to bet on that though. No. Like I, I probably will never like spend up the cost to, to go do that. That's uh, not, not how I normally operate. Yeah. Or, it's not over the it's his chances of hitting it are not over yet either actually i think is another thing that's kind of another thing i was advocating a little bit for was like there there were other games on the schedule like this purdue game um i think they still get uh ruckers or they have another team on the schedule that's not very good that they'll get um or he could get this week ouch (laughs) ouch (laughs) um they have ruckers michigan state Minnesota, who are all bad okay. teams, weeks 10, 11, and 12. And Wisconsin without, you know, no more um uh Braden Lock season. 
Yeah. Braden Locke. Mordecai. Mordecai's done yeah. for probably the year. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I think he'll he'll have an opportunity to get another one catch for 42 yards. And then there he is, over a hundred yards. There we go. Or the bowl game as well. If Ohio State does not end up making the playoff, I do think that we would see Igbuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. both opt out. Uh, and then Innis could get some some good amount of snaps then in that bowl game where we could see him hit it. So I I, I think that there's still a possibility that he hits this. So Innis is a very difficult eval right now. It's, it's a it's a very reasonable argument. I'm not necessarily convinced, but I think it's a good <laughs> argument. And it's a good counter argument. You know what? I I'll take that from you. I'll take That's that. about the best you're going to get. The other big performance on the week, or I guess encouraging performance, is Hakeem Williams, Florida State freshman wide receiver, who had a 44-yard touchdown, took a screen to the house uh, in their blowout win against Syracuse. Like Ennis, this is Williams. Actually, this is his second reception, I believe. He had one catch for like five yards or something in week one, I think. Um, but he had seen his snaps dwindle pretty consistently over the past few weeks. Then all of a sudden kind of came up with this one. Uh, another sell window for him? Or what, what do we think on Hakeem Williams here? Yeah, I think this is a sell window for for Hakeem Williams. Uh, the, it was a screen pass, too. Um, Ennis's was uh, a, a route down the field for there was like an intermediate area. It was on an in-breaking uh, post route. So, you know, they used him downfield. I like to see that type of usage. Hakeem Williams used around the line of scrimmage kind of just backs up what we were saying about him before this season, where he's pretty raw uh, in terms of actual like wide receiver skills. Um, but he was big and athletic and could run fast. And that's pretty much what that that signifies for me. So, uh, yeah, he had another catch earlier in the year. So he's probably up to like 60 ish yards somewhere around there or 50 yards, something like that. Three, I think, looking at the tracker. Rough. OK, 53 yards on the year. So he's he's close and he might break this year one zero threshold. So maybe that would be the time to sell him. But I would sell him now because I was never really a big believer on Hakeem Williams. Uh, and I don't know exactly who's going to be the quarterback there next year either. Are they looking at like AJ Tate Duffy, Rodemaker. Tate Rodmaker? Ooh. Yeah, um, they're bringing in Croman Hoke. Uh, not that I think he would start, but I, I don't know exactly what the quarterback situation is going to look like. I'm not a big believer in Hakeem Williams. I would use this to sell him. The, the weird part about him is that he has been getting some snaps, not a lot. In week one against LSU, he got five snaps. The next week they played like Southern Miss or something the next week, and he got that's when he had his one catch. He had 23 snaps, offensive snaps. That is this that week. Didn't get any week three. Then he had six week four. He had the they had a bye week week five. Then he had 12 snaps week six. And then he had 14 this past weekend. So he is like getting some snaps. I I think regardless of of if he hits these or not, he's a sell. He is such an intriguing guy, like you said, because he is a you know 98th, 99th percentile athlete, but he is literally in our charting the worst receiver our recruiting team has ever charted. Um, like in terms of like separate like yards of separation and things like that, like just terrible, terrible. But he also runs a four three and he's six three and two hundred and five pounds, and he's he's a big athletic dude. Um, so I, yeah, I think uh, you know. 
I think if you bought, if you if you were drafting him, I don't want to say this for sure because I'm sure there are definitely leagues where he fell a little bit, and so you were willing to take the risk a little bit. But I think if you were drafting a guy like Hakeem High, you're a little more of a risk taker. You kind of swing for the fences. You you hope you shoot for the highest upside guy you can find, and you hope it works out. So you might not necessarily agree with what we're saying, but I do think this presents a really awesome opportunity if you can take an uncertain asset and turn him into something a little more certain. I think that's the direction that I would go personally, but different, different thought processes there. No, I, I'm, I agree with you. Uh, I'm in, I'm in that same thought process. If you can use him to recoup your value uh, that you spent on him, I would. Um, and if you can get, if he fell in your draft and you got him in like the fifth ish round or whatever, fourth round, if you could get like a third, great. Um, okay, let's let's uh, I think we're done making something of something here. Maybe we'll do that again at some point later this year. Um, let's talk midseason trade targets, Colin. We do have a few weeks left, and I think by now you absolutely should have determined whether you are pushing for a championship or you're going to tear down the college roster 100%. Because unlike the NFL side of things, as we talk about all the time, you can rebuild a college roster in one year. So it's not like an NFL where if you're tearing down a roster, you're committing to, you know, two years of being bad or whatever else, you know, some people say that you don't need to be bad for that long, but regardless, um, it, it doesn't have to be like a huge long process. You can, you can dump a handful of really good CFF guys one year, get a couple extra second, third, fourth round picks, and then have a really good team the next year. Just how it works out. You, if you, you, if you have not figured out and you're listening to this show right now before this week's games, you need to sit down and go through any roster that you have and make the determination. And I can tell you right now, unless your team has at least five wins or has three or four wins and is a top three scoring team in your league, like in terms of points for, you are not a contender. College is, the margins are so much wider in college that you very rarely see a team sneak, sneak in as a six seed that doesn't really perform that great in the regular season and take home a championship. It doesn't happen as much in college. I'm not saying it can't happen, but it's much rarer to have that happen in a college league than it is in the NFL one. So you need to make that determination now. But these are some targets that we think, and we'll explain in what kind of roster builds and what kind of value we think that you should be looking for. Some guys that we like as buys here as we enter week seven, week eight, um, and and um, guys that we think you should be selling off. Colin, do you want to take it away and start us up with some buys? Yeah, I'll start it off with a buy. So my buy lists, um, I listed a couple guys who I would buy if I am selling as well. Um, but I'll Wait, start what? or if I'm, I, <laughs> if I'm not contending, okay. um, I'm, I'm buying these guys if I'm selling. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I actually get the logic to that. But you gotta be a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I'm selling CFF assets and I'm giving up on the year, these are players like some players that I would be buying, but, uh, I'll start off with, with Terrell Vaughn, who, as I put him on the show sheet, you're like, yeah, I think I've listed him every week for the last three weeks on. Oh, it's been longer than that. Since week two of key takeaways, I've been saying go buy Terrell yeah. Vaughn. Yeah. Uh, but I think now even more than before, he's a great buy because Jalen Royals has been exploding these last three games. Um, so, you know, if you can buy him, sure, great. But he's putting putting up like 30 fantasy points the past couple of weeks, whereas Terrell Vaughn has only been putting up a, a ho-hum 20 to 25 fantasy points every week. Uh, so 
the, I think the perception on Vaughn does not didn't meet the the the, the reality before in terms of, of fantasy scoring, and it it's only gotten worse over these last couple of weeks. So I think Terrell Vaughn would be one of my top buys right now if I am looking to contend and looking to make a push. Keep going. You, give me your list, Colin. Just unload the chamber on me. We, we can we can you give me a brief pause in between to see if i have any comments i don't have any comment I mean, vaughn is a guy okay i put a bunch of offenses that like play very bad defensive schedules the rest of the season utah state's on yeah. it like I, I don't have a lot of other things to comment on that i think he's even with royals going off i don't think he's had fewer than 10 targets at all this year maybe yeah. once he's shown up on our on my top targets every single week except for i think one or two he just always is there that week that they bracketed him and he got one. Yeah, target or whatever. Okay. Against, it was against UConn and that yeah. was the first breakout game from Royals. Yeah, I think that might have been like that week and maybe one other week he had like nine targets. He didn't make the list, but that's it. Yeah. He's He's been consistent, which is what I really value in some of those CFF guys because it's so hard to find consistency in college. Yeah, agreed. Um, another guy that I didn't put on the list here, but somebody that I would be looking to buy um, is uh, John Reese Plumley, uh, And that's mostly because he's back. He's healthy now. So if I'm looking to make a push and I need a quarterback, I think he's a, a cheap option that you could go get. Uh, people kind of forgot about him as Timmy McLean was there. Uh, and Timmy McLean played very well. But from everything I've seen, this is going to be Reese Plumley's job coming back. Now, this is not the week you're going to want to start him against Oklahoma. But uh, I, I think John Reese Plumley could be a cheap option at the quarterback position. I wasn't even on your list. Man, you're going, going totally off script here. I told you I'm going to I'm going to throw some things on here. I told uh, you know, I didn't get to look at this show sheet quite as early as I as I would have liked. Um, but you're you know, a professional, I, but I'm a professional and and we we got this. So I'm going to just throw some names out there that weren't on there before. Okay. But uh, moving into guys that I would be looking to buy if I'm not contending. Uh, the first one at the top of my list would be Nico Iamaliva. Uh, and you're obviously going to have to spend up on him. He was a first-round pick. Whoever took him probably is a fan of his. Um, but I think it's—I think we could see Nico towards the end of this week against Alabama. Oh, uh, that's such a death sentence. Or next out there, it, it is. Or next week, I think we could see Nico because Joe Milton has just been bad. He—he's—he has not been good. Um, so I. It, if Tennessee loses to Alabama here, I could see them maybe making a change. So you might get an early look at Nico. So I, I would, I would probably be willing to pay up to go get Nico right now, um, at this point. And and midway through the year also is is kind of when, you know that that freshman fever that we had and everybody had at the beginning of the season it starts to wear off a little bit. And then it'll ramp back up again at like the very end of the year as everybody's starting to look ahead towards next year. But this is that kind of lull where you might be able to catch somebody and get good value for him. I'm not saying you're going to just rob somebody blind for Nico, but you can probably get good value. I would consider, I mean, it's it's difficult because if if you're offering a first to somebody who has Nico, um, then they're it's just basically like an even wash for them. And I don't know if they're going to go that route, but if you can package together some CFF pieces this year that, you know, if you're not competing and you have Jaden Daniels, which would kind of be a surprise to me because he's been so good, but I would throw Jaden Daniels in there. And then, you know, some other players, you'll, you'll have to throw a Debbie asset in there, I think, but 
maybe not a, a high Debbie asset, but I would, that's the type of package I'd be looking to go after a high end CFF producer, throw in like a mid Debbie asset and then see if you can't get Nico for that. Buying a freshman quarterback that was always a one year wait is really difficult. It is in my opinion. It is as somebody who sometimes drafts those guys and then wants to sell them before they ever play. I can tell you the kind of package that I'm looking for, and it's not what you were just mentioning. But it's not that doesn't mean it's not worth offering it mm -hmm. for the record. If I have a guy like Nico or even Malachi Nelson, Arch Manning, any of those top guys, and I can find an NF an, a team that has a bad NFL team with an average starting quarterback, NFL starting quarterback, like fan for fantasy purposes on their team, I a thousand times out of a thousand. We'll trade the freshman quarterback and another piece for that quarterback. Think over the past couple of years, Kirk Cousins. Think if if a bad team has Dak Prescott and I can sell a good NFL piece and Nico for Dak Prescott, I would do that for Kyler Murray, for Jared Goff, for any kind of quarterback in that range. I That is the kind of trade I am always trying to move those freshman quarterbacks up into stable NFL assets. The chances that there is a chance that Nico ends up being a top five NFL draft pick and is worth more than that someday. But I would just prefer to take my production today. Thank you very much. So that is personally my philosophy. I would not entertain your offer, but I see where you're coming from with it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, a couple other players that I would be looking to buy. Um, Antonio Williams. I think the Tyler Brown hype has kind of overshadowed how good of a player Williams is and, and his injury. Um, but I think when Antonio Williams comes back healthy, which it sounds like he was pretty close. Um, so, you know, we'll see if he can make it back this week against Miami. And like, that's a pretty big game. Um, I, I could see him coming back this week. And then I think we're going to see exactly how good he is and why he's been a top five, top 10 wide receiver for us throughout this whole process. Uh, the Antonio Williams owner is probably a believer, but I think they might be getting sick of them. They might. And I think this would be a time where you can test those waters. This is one of the best times to go after a guy like Antonio Williams. Actually, there's a couple guys in that range that you can like. I think Evan Stewart could be a buy right now, too, because Max Johnson is terrible. Yeah, I think he's kind of hurting his CFF value right now. I think you could maybe snipe the 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 Evan Stewart owner again. We're not talking cheap. But I, I right. think there's a couple of receivers in that range you can get for cheap right now. Yeah. Right. Where the, the, before these are guys that you would have had to overpay for yeah. and probably had to pay, probably had to give up NFL assets to get. Whereas now you can probably give up even, even if it is like an NFL asset, even if you're, you're moving like a Raheem Mostert, you would know, you, would you give Malik neighbors? Who's been a top five CFF receiver this year for Evan Stewart? man if i'm not competing so the thing is i think you would you'd be able to get more than evan stewart honestly for neighbors I would i do it my luck would i if, do it <laughs> if i had neighbors and the like and i like i wanted to pull this off i would not be asking for more on the other side of that trade it would be a straight up offer i would say i would do it straight up yes but i Keon coleman i think you probably do the same with Keon coleman 
I, I would think the Stewart owner is ripe for the picking right now. If you think you can offer one of these guys, that's getting hyped for, for 2024 class. Yeah. And I would rather have Stewart. I would too. Yeah. I think that's very fair. Uh, and my last guy here is this is a this is a dirt cheap option. He might even be on waivers, uh, but I, I got to plug my guy here while I get a chance. Um, it's it's Emery Williams, the quarterback, your guy. The, the freshman quarterback for um, uh, Miami. And I, look, Tyler Van Dyke is is there, obviously. So Emery Williams not going to see time this year, but. He has gotten in in some situations, and he's he's looked solid. Twelve of fifteen for one hundred forty four yards on the year. Uh, but the big thing that I the big change for me, and not even so much a change, but they've been letting Tyler Van Dyke cook a little bit this year. Um, he has seventeen hundred yards passing, sixteen touchdowns, six interceptions. How many attempts uh, does he have? Uh, he has one hundred eighty three attempts. It's a pretty hefty. It's over thirty per game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he's averaging over thirty attempts a game. He had forty eight attempts last said, week, God. and I'm <laughs> sorry. I said he's averaging like thirty a game, and you go, he's averaging over thirty a game. I was I was expounding upon my point okay. there. Okay. Um, but he's just coming off of a big game: three hundred ninety-one yards, four touchdowns, a big game against UNC. Um, but the point is. They're letting him cook a little bit. It seems like Shannon Dawson is opening up that offense a little bit more, uh, which is kind of what we did. It's what we wanted to see this year. And I think that bodes well for Emory Williams next year. Now, this seems like a situation where they might try to grab a a transfer portal quarterback. But they're going like to be fighting Williams. a lot of teams for a transfer portal quarterback. They are. Which is the tough part. They are, and I like Emery Williams. So he's a guy that I would look to buy real cheap right now if, if you can. Yeah, I think, uh, like, I, like what I kind of just said, I think everyone's going to be looking for a portal quarterback next year. I think, um, you know, some teams, a team like Washington loses Penix. I think they could be a team that dabbles in the portal, but I also don't think they're a team that, like, it would be a quarterback away because right. presumptively they're going to lose Adunze, they're going to lose McMillan, they might lose Polk. They might lose a couple of guys in the defense that are pretty good. Like uh, Oregon is going to be active in the portal potentially. I think Alabama could be Miami. Um, I think Texas has good quarterbacks there, but like, you know, if Texas thinks they're a quarterback Michigan. away and those guys aren't ready, you know, you could see, see them try to go for somebody. I, mean, I think that there's quite a few good teams. I mean, we all really like Malachi Nelson. Like, it's not totally preposterous to say that USC could. I don't think they will. That's not really how Lincoln Riley has generally yeah. operated if he doesn't have to. Um, but, so uh, yeah, I, I think that's going to be a, a tough battle out there. I, I put a couple, you know, I, I think I have quite a few uh, guys. And, you know, I, I think we kind of just talked through a couple of them there. You know, Evan Stewart, I think, could be a good buy right now. But I decided I wanted to highlight some, if you're a team that is contending, or uh, there are some offenses that have the easiest remaining strength of schedule in terms of like against the pass or against the run uh, and kind of the pieces uh, that fit there. So according to the C2C winning edge metrics, the teams that face the easiest remaining strength of schedule, this was as of last week. So these numbers are probably like, you know, maybe a, a spot or two off, but, but overall they, they hold uh, against the pass, you know, passing offense that have the easiest strength of schedule first in the country is Fresno state. 
So that means Fresno State wide receivers are probably fairly intriguing. That means Eric Brooks. That means Jalen Gill. Even Jalen Moss has been pretty interesting for them this year. The freshman. Memphis is fifth. It's your Seth Hennigan, your your Blankham Siege, your Rock Taylors, the the other guys that are there. Utah State is sixth. So, you know, we already mentioned all those guys. FAU is seventh. So there, you know, Daniel Richardson, super cheap, might even still be on waivers. You've got, you know, he could be a guy that's interesting there. Um, but but um so is um um the oh, what the, the heck's their wide receiver's name? Wester, Lejante Wester. Uh, those Another are all offenses. Mainstay of your uh takeaways. I've taught I've consistently called him the best value for money if you're competing out there. Um uh, terms of going to buy him and i i will stand by that uh rush offenses with the easiest strength to schedule first in the country is toledo so i've been calling um penny boone a potential league winner uh ball state's fourth i think that's a really interesting one because i think you can get marquez cooper really really cheap and eastern michigan is in the top 10 as well and i know samson evans hasn't owned this backfield like we thought nope. that he would but he also has been out touching uh the other guy there is it johnson something johnson Jackson, uh, I think. Jackson, yeah, you're right. It is. Uh, I, he has been out touching him overall, um, and I do think you know if if they get into a, a groove running the ball that he and I think he can get him as like a cheap throw in somehow because I think whoever has him is probably sick of him. So just some offenses I'm that I think I'm sick of him too. I've got him in one or two spots and it's been annoying me. So those are just some offenses I think that I'm I'm kind of looking at and thinking you know. But I think really the thing to do if you're a contender at this point in the season is you just literally like just go look at the worst three teams in your league mm-hmm. and see if they've got any guys on their roster. Like, it'd be like, okay, shit. Like, I don't really love, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a guy. Like, I don't really Josh love. Josh Stephus could be a guy to buy. Oh, yeah, Stephus is a good guy. I, I bought him one or two spots, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, yeah, I think you just go to those teams and you look and see if they've got, you know, their team, if they're awful, they might only have one or two guys and they might be Debbie guys. So maybe, you know, it's not what you're looking for, but just go go see what they got. They, you know, they might be willing to to deal with you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite strategy, honestly, is uh, looking at the bottom three teams in the league and seeing what I can get there. And then just floating some supplemental pick offers out there to them. Like I'll send my fourth for whatever their best CFF asset is on all of those teams, you know, assuming it's at a position where I need, if I'm loaded at quarterback, I'm not going to go buy John Reese Plumley Like I just talked about before I'll, you know, pivot to, to a different position, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll look at the bottom teams. I'll throw out an offer of a sub pick for, for their best player, see what I can get and, and hope that they are of the mindset of where, where I'm at, where if I'm one of those selling teams, I'm, I'm selling those guys for, for anything I can get, you know, I'm on the flip side, floating offers out of sub, those guys for sub picks. But you know, if, if somebody sends one offer over my way and I can't get anything better, like I'm going to take whatever I can get for those senior guys because they are not helping me. This I way. do think you have to be a little bit careful that you don't give away a guy that like the NFL might be interested in. R- right. I've right. had, I, for instance, I had somebody DM me today and they said uh, their their college team was really bad. They were thinking of they've getting some offers. They've got Jermaine Brown Jr. who, yeah, sell him. That's cool. UAB running back slash wide receiver guy. Um, but some people were also asking about Roman Wilson and I'm not like mm-hmm. a, the world's biggest Roman Wilson fan. I did. I, I don't think he's a bad player and I, I did like him coming out as a freshman, but he's a guy that the NFL might like, so I'm not yeah. trading him for a fourth, you know, fourth round or whatever. I think that's, you know, you, you need to be asking for a little more than that. So just, just be careful. Yes. On unloading even guys. Like I think 
you know, I think it's already been covered by a lot. It's starting to get covered by a lot of places. Like I think Malachi Corley and Tory Horton potentially have some NFL value. Yeah. Like I'm not, you know, those are higher end CFF guys. Yeah. And, but Xavier Weaver would be the next guy I would add onto that list yeah. of yeah. guys that I think are pretty high end CFF options and could have some, some NFL potential. Yeah. So just, but, just be careful. There. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. I, I should clarify. Thank you. I got Terrell Vaughn is a guy that I'm, I'm looking at. In that yeah. Situation. Notice all the other guys like, we're talking about. They're like five, six or like, yeah, <laughs> like for, for dumpy, you know, dumpy directional school university. Like, yeah, you just gotta, you gotta be yeah. careful about who you're selling. But yeah. yeah. And, and the same thing goes with like, if they have an extra year of, of eligibility, like Kamani Vidal has another year of eligibility. I think he's going to end up taking it. So like, that's not a guy that I'm looking to just offload. If I get a, if I get a good offer of a sub pick, sure. But he's not a guy that I'm sending offers out of Kamani Vidal for a fourth round sub pick or whatever it ends up being. You know, I'm not firing those offers out. I probably would. Well, I don't know that I would extend that offer, but if somebody sent it to me, I'd probably accept it. I would strongly. I don't have a lot of bad teams. So, you know, it's tough for me to say, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. (laughs) you knew that was coming. (laughs) Humble brag. Uh, All right. Um, one other guy that I think I think UTSA has like a top fifteen remaining yeah. strength of schedule and to like worst strength of schedule uh, for passing offense. So the Frank Harris team might not be doing so hot because he really hasn't been very good this year. Sorry, I I I, I kind of uh, caused that in my bold predictions article, but um, <laughs> but uh, he he could be a guy that that's available for cheap because he definitely doesn't have any eligibility left um guys that are cells right now colin and i think i think there are lots of interesting names because i think depending on you know our opinion of the player this can dictate the market a little bit for for folks who who have bought into a little bit of hype recently yeah and again this is also i'm not selling some of these guys if i am a strong contender um but like senior quarterbacks are the first guys that I would be looking to move. If I'm not a contender guys, Austin Reed um, would be a, a name at the top of the list. If I'm not competing, I'd be looking to sell him. Um, Garrett Schrader, like those types of guys. Um, I would be looking to move those guys, but we already kind of talked about selling seniors. If you're not competing, um, so a guy that I would be looking to sell right now, if I'm not competing is Jaden Daniels. Now, like I said before, when we were talking about Nico, I find it hard to believe that the Jaden Daniels owner is not competing just because he's been so good. Um, but I think with Jaden Daniels and the phenomenal statistical performances he's been putting up, I think you're going to hear a little bit of, of Heisman buzz towards the end of the year. Like, I don't know that he ultimately gets to New York, but I think he'll get a little buzz. And he has that recruiting pedigree. I think you're going to see some people start to talk about him as a potential QB sleeper in this class, and I'm just not really buying it. Um, so if you can find somebody who believes in his his Debbie potential, like he's a guy that I'd be looking to sell off. Yeah, I've seen some NFL draft accounts start hyping up Jaden Daniels. I, I, for what it's worth, just don't agree at all. Um, yeah. I I don't think that that's there. I think it's kind of an odd fascination that people have with finding the next deep quarterback who can be an NFL guy. So, um, 
Yeah, everybody wants to be the the Brock Purdy guy, you know, like I called that he was my guy, but in reality, I think Brock Purdy's more of a system guy, but whatever. Niner fans will come for us, man. They just <laughs> that if you want to talk about a, an online fan base that doesn't know ball, it's the Giants, then it might be the Niners. <laughs> oh boy, Colorado fans are up there too, quite frankly. Um, but they're they've only been watching football for six college football for six or seven weeks, so have to yeah, so that's now. fair. Um, I, I'm selling Penix, and I think in a similar vein, I think especially after this weekend, this whole week is kind of a big Michael Penix sell window. And, and what I was talking about earlier, like I think this is a guy that you're flipping up into an NFL quarterback. There's somebody in your league who thinks that he's going to be the third quarterback off the board and he's going to go top 12. <laughs> there is somebody there. I can guarantee it. Are you um, in a league with Felix? <laughs> Not going to blow up Felix's spot on this show, but I've had this discussion with him this week, and I don't think we're that far apart in our thoughts on this, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Hmm. Um, not, okay, not interesting. To, yeah, not to uh, take away from the persona that he holds online. Um, I think if you can move him to the Kyler owner or move him for, again, like Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, these are the kind of quarterbacks that I think like are just kind of undervalued for what they are. I'm looking for a guy that, you know, I, I'm pretty sure has a handful of years that are going to be good still left. They, they maybe don't have Mahomes or Herbert's ceiling, but they're solidified as NFL guys. I, I, I really like kind of turning senior quarterbacks into that if I can. I think um, I think that's generally a good strategy, even if you end up like in the next two or three years losing a small amount of value because of what Michael Panics becomes. Let's say he does become a top 10 NFL quarterback. I, I think he's I, I don't I don't. I don't want to bet on that outcome. And if even if I do want to bet on that outcome, I'll just bet on the guy who already is right in that range already. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, that's fair. That is another example of a guy and Bo Nix, I think would fall into that same category. Although we haven't really heard the same level of NFL draft buzz about Bo Nix, or at least I haven't that we heard at the beginning of the year. I don't want to call this workshopping a take, but like he's, he's Mitch Trubisky. He's not a good court NFL prospect. I'm shocked that he gets any sort of hype. If anybody actually like watches him, man, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of like those those quarterbacks, and I think quarterbacks are always like the most interesting guys for me to try to sell, um, because that that's like where the value you can get some you can get some people who are real believers in quarterbacks, and you can get some really nice value there, um, but. Outside of, of quarterbacks, um, I, I think that just some of these Devi running backs that we had some hope for and it just really has not happened. Um, guys like Jarquez Hunter, um, guys like Andrew Paul. I, I'm ready to call it on Andrew Paul. He just, we heard a little bit of buzz prior to the season. It's not really there. I mean, I'm probably holding him, but if I can get something for those guys, uh, I, I'll do it. Uh, I, I, what do you think about Raheem Sanders as a sell right now, Colin? I'm not sure that you necessarily agree with that because I sold him to you a couple weeks ago for Brees Hall. Mm-hmm. There was more on there. There was, there was a lot more on there. <laughs> how do you feel um, about that trade now with how Brees has looked the past couple weeks and how Raheem has not? Um, well, I also, I also it, got Troy Franklin in the we should, deal. Yeah, we should I, tell him what the trade is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was, um, I traded Brees and a sub fourth what was it fourth okay uh-huh. for sanders 
Franklin. Was Matthew Golden in that? No, Jamal Banks. Jamal Banks. Um, I'm still a Sanders believer. I, I still am okay with that trade because the main impetus for me making that trade is my NFL team was not good and my college team was good. Um, and I still think I have a, a very legitimate shot at, at winning that college side and getting something out of, of Franklin. And I'm still a believer in Sanders. I definitely don't feel as good about it as I did before. I kind of wish that sub pick was a couple rounds later. Um, I strong armed you on that one. You did. And I didn't want to haggle too much over it. I, I don't like to, I don't like to nickel and dime and, and haggle and stuff. Are you uh, trying to say I was nickel and diming you? No. No, but I'm just saying That's I don't. It sounded like to me, like because because you were like a fourth, and I could have come back with, well, what about a a fifth, and I'll throw in, uh, or you throw in like a a fifteenth or, or something along those lines. Like, I was, I was fine with where it was at. I didn't feel like I needed to get that much more value. Um, but I, I'm, I wouldn't advocate selling Sanders right now because I think his value is pretty low. Um, it's, it's definitely dropped from, from where it was before. And we has, he hasn't been on the field. He has not been healthy, but I, I know what your take that's, is. That's why I think that he's still a sell. Cause I think the person buying him is willing to absolve all his sins because he's been hurt. I think that like, if he had just been terrible all year, I think you would have had a hard time selling him. Yeah. And, and the lack of NFL buzz around him doesn't make me feel great. Um, but I, this, this running back class is not, not good. Like all of these guys have kind of fallen off, but let me just say, I am feeling a little bit better about Blake Corum, uh, as a day two guy with all these other running backs that have kind of fallen apart. Um, but that's a topic for another day. I mean, it's, it's like this year it's, there's nobody at the top. It's Sanders, Henderson, Allen, Braylon Allen. Jason McClellan hasn't really looked that great. Trey Benson's been disappointing. Uh, Will Shipley's there. <laughs> um, you know, so like I, I don't feel great about the rest of this class. So if he can get healthy at the end of the year and, and put a game or two together, like I could see, still see the NFL taking this guy day two. And then I would feel pretty good about it. Uh, okay. I have, I actually have two more here, Colin. I want to run them by you. I, second one I didn't put on the sheet. I oh. want to blow your mind. It's all right. I'm a professional. I'm ready for this. I think LJ Martin's a big sell. This isn't the blow your mind guy. No, I know. he's on the show. The freshman BYU running back. We talked about the him, Parker Jenkins, Darius Taylor a couple weeks ago. Did we both say that we thought LJ Martin, we would take him third of this group? Is that what we both established? Or did you say you would take him over? I think you said you would take him second over Parker Jenkins of that group. And I said, I think yes. I'm third. Yeah, I, I said, I'm pretty sure I said I would take him second over. Jenkins and I would uh I don't know it's a coin flip for me I want to I I don't think that LJ Martin's a bad player I definitely don't but but what about this BYU offense makes us think that we want to buy this rushing attack over the next couple years with them moving into the big 12 with them looking awful offensively and for fantasy purposes Martin has been very touchdown dependent yeah, I think he's a huge sell right now because I think whoever you're selling him to is banking on him being like a top five, six, seven back in the class by year end. I don't see that caliber of player. And again, this is not me saying that he's bad, but I'm saying if you're looking at what he's doing, 
he only, he doesn't have a. I think he has one game above five uh, five yards per carry. He's not playing particularly well, and even if he is playing well within the confines of that offense, and that's holding him back, like I don't know if this offense is going to get significantly better. I, I just don't. I, I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback next year. I mean, I I don't think Slovis is anything good, but I don't know who the next guy there is. It's Isaac Wilson, Zach Wilson's brother, I and mean, maybe they hit the portal. We always joke about Devin Brown coming back, you know, close to home there. I, I don't know that that like elevates the offense enough where I, I feel good about LJ Martin. I think LJ Martin's a big sell. And I think you can, you can, again, how I would trade him is I would package him up for something better. I'd package him in another asset. I'm really iffy on and try to get a guy that I feel a little bit better on personally. That's what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I'm not, uh, I actually don't have LJ Martin anywhere. Um, I have him and I got him on waivers in two or three leagues this year. I have one league where I have Jenkins, uh, Taylor and Martin, and that's a pretty cool league. <laughs> I'm undefeated in that league, and I've been kind of just running through it uh, thus far. But uh, and who's the who's the mind blowing guy? I had been workshopping this take for weeks, and I had been debating when I wanted to drop it, and then this weekend happened, and now I feel like I can't drop it for a couple of weeks because then I look like a hater. I think the biggest sell in campus to Canton leagues right now. Oh is Caleb Williams. I think okay. Caleb Williams is the biggest sell in campus to Canton Lakes. Felix is going to clip this shit and put it on Twitter tomorrow. Oh. He is, yep, 100%, especially because you said that. And it's not because I think he's a bad player. I think he's a really good player. We established this earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. We both think he's the top quarterback. We think, you know, probably the past five years, he's probably the second best quarterback prospect. But from a bat, like you see people say stuff like, I would like I would never sell Patrick Mahomes. He's like the most valuable asset in C2C leagues right now. You know, he's if the, if people are valuing him like that, I would happily turn him into Josh Allen. I would happily turn him into Justin Herbert. I, that's the caliber of player I need to be getting back if I'm selling him. I'm not telling him to go sell him for Nico Arch Manning in a sub second or something. That's stupid. But I think if you can trade him up into a top three or four NFL fantasy quarterback, one of these guys that has longevity, I think you should do it. I would do that in a heartbeat because I think everyone just assumes that he's going to get there. I'm not making that assumption. I think he can, I, but I, I would rather take the guy that's there now, personally. I And I, I think you can do that in a lot of situations, even if you have to wait for the offseason to do it. I think I, w- I, I have a a fair amount of Caleb Williams. I'm going to be shopping that Caleb Williams share pretty much everywhere this offseason. I think that is a very interesting call. I don't necessarily disagree with it, but like you said, because of the week he just had last week, it's it's poor timing for this take. Uh, you, you probably should have been on the show last week. We should have done the segment last week. You would have said it last week, and then you would have sounded like a genius. But all up here, baby. It's all up here. But uh, I, I don't I, I don't disagree with that because I, I do see people valuing him. Like you said, like like a, a in that same stratosphere as like a Josh Allen, like, you know, and I think he's very good. I think he could be very good for fantasy, which I think is the area that might end up like biting you in the butt if you do make that trade because he could be so good for fantasy with his legs and depending on where he ends up. But. I do think he is a little overhyped right now. Um, I, I really think the calculus 
in my head turns into would I rather have like let's say in this hypothetical scenario the trade offer is Caleb Williams and uh, I don't know like a a startable NFL positional player for Josh Allen that's the offer would I rather have Josh Allen or a player that could become more or less Josh Allen and the uh, like the other piece that you know I'm not saying Jamar Chase like this is probably a replaceable startable asset along with him like I, I just think like the math becomes so easy there and I think that's where he's being valued I mean and great like in our C200 rankings we have him as a borderline top 12 player like we are certainly not like you know saying he's the 25th ranked player and everyone else is stupid we're very much in line with what other people are thinking but i just think it's it's uh that i would definitely definitely think about it yeah but you sound like a hater because of the timing so i started off by saying i like him so i don't know what else i can do i'm a liker colin i'm not a hater i've never been accused of being a hater hater <laughs> all right let's let's uh the waiver wire is really thin this week. I don't think there's a ton of really interesting players out there. I only highlighted a few here on the sheet, Colin, and, and uh, you know, jump in here if you've got some other guys. Uh, the Texas State offense is still a little under-rostered. I see a lot of Joey Hobart and Cole Wilson, who's their wide receiver, too, floating around out there. Uh, Hobart's a, definitely a win-now guy, and if he's there and you have a good team, I, if you have a bad team and you've got waiver wire ads, I think you just go buy him and try to sell him to a contender. I mean, I, I don't have any yeah. problem doing that. I think that's a worthwhile usage of waiver wire ads at this time. Of yeah, year. I agree. Cole Wilson, though, I think is the next guy up there. And he came over with, with the staff from incarnate words, his second year in college. Like he has a lot of years left there. I think we're going to see that Texas state offense continue to gel. Um, they only scored like our, our model this week. Loved them. We talked about it on yeah. the tailgate this week. I think Finley was a top three or five quarterback option. Maddie was our top running back option. Hobart and Wilson, I think we're both in our top 14 wide receivers. Like the model loved them. They only scored 21, but they ran 105 plays this weekend. They ran yeah. 105 plays. They got a little unlucky with some turnovers and, 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 you know, stuff on that end of things. I think this is an offense that we're, I'm just close my eyes and clicking yes on trade offers. So Hobart and Wilson are floating around up there. I like them a lot. Two quarterbacks that I like this week, Josh Hoover, the, the second year quarterback at, uh, TCU seems like they like him there. I like that. That offense has not been consistent or consistently good this year, but I think you know we like TCU's offense generally there with um, uh, Sonny Dykes. So um, you know I, I think he's worth buying. And then I think Jordan McLeod, if you're looking for a quarterback rest of season, who's put up three straight thirty plus point performances, I believe um, for uh, JMU. They've they've got that offense clicking. He's been pretty good. Yeah, I think I, I do have something to add on on Hoover, and mm. and I'm not advocating him in unlimited waiver leagues necessarily. If Why I not? have a one claim, in I'm sorry, limited, sorry, limited waiver. Sorry, what's the downside? If I, but if I have, if I'm in a league where I have one claim a week, he would probably be my claim this week, and that is okay. technically a limited waiver setup. Um. Now, it would depend on who else is there necessarily. If there's a big name floating out there still, like I'd go that route. But um, I do like Josh Hoover. There are 
some rumors floating around out there that there were some comments made by players that uh, they think Hoover can open up this offense more and do more than what Chandler Morris did. Uh, Hoover might not give this job back. I thought you were going to address the rumors that he's the heir to the Hoover backing uh, fortune, but which he is. Yes. Alleged. No, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that either. (laughs) I had not heard those rumors. Probably no relation to Herbert either, either, but you know, no, 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 no. The dam is not named after him either or his family. Could be. I don't think so. Um, But yeah, I, I am not advocating adding him in limited waiver leagues necessarily, but he would be my top ad this week and he would jump some other guys that we've named before. All right. I like Hoover. Well, there you go. There's your waiver section. If you're looking for some other waivers, check out the chasing the natty episode that drops every Monday on the campus Canton podcast feed. Do a good job uh, highlighting the names you need to be looking for from a CFF perspective. I can tell you one name that I'm not buying this week. What's that stand for wide receiver? <laughs> um it I'm would not, be i'm not adding him elik aomenor yeah do do not do that a leak that'd be a leak because of the i would be yeah a leak aomenor here's another one that's going to sound like an idiot but because he's then now he's going to be amazing rest of the season but total flash in the pan performance if you watch that game no no don't do that don't do that yeah, uh, there we have like a we have a twenty four, we have a couple twenty four team leagues, and that's about the only setting I would look to add him in because those leagues are so deep. <laughs> what are you talking about? My bench is great in twenty four team leagues. <laughs> uh, but that outside of that, I'm not adding him anywhere. Yeah. All right, Colin. You know what time it is now? It is. Start sit time. It is start sit time. All right. Missed last week, but I'm back with a vengeance this week. I've got just. The hottest list of names ever. Okay. This is the best list, the greatest list. I'm many names. Down with it. Many, many, many names. names. The best names. Many you're saying. <laughs> All right. Um, for anybody that doesn't know what we do here, 10 starts, 10 sits. These are non obvious names. They come up with the list. Uh, we do not show them to each other pre show. Sometimes we've got a little bit of overlap. Um, we keep score every week and uh, we, we see who the winner is at the end. Call ends up by about a hand, about, about five correct answers right now uh, right r- roughly around did you did, you didn't count any of mine from last week i didn't look at them yet okay so. good no that's fine they don't <laughs> count no they do they do they do i only gave three uh three each three starts three sits um eugene wilson i think would have ended up being a hit did he get 17 and a half points and he would have been really close I didn't see exactly what it was. I didn't but I think he was close. He had a lot of snaps. I actually keep track of the weekly freshman. He snaps, did. But... He uh, the prop the the prize picks prop that I said for Eugene Wilson hit uh, that was over thirty nine and a half, and he went over that by a good amount. I think he had like seventy nine ish yards. Well, there you go then. All right. So that's uh, you always start off the starts column. We go back and forth. We do. Uh, you, we do. So I'll, I'll let you go first here. Who do you who do you uh, who are you start this week? Uh, my first start of the week here is Preston Stone, quarterback SMU. Uh, he's been very up and down this year. 12, 37, 8, 13, and 25 fantasy points. Uh, but they get Temple this week, and Temple has been bad on defense. They've given up a lot of points, and their pass defense has been very bad too. Fifth worst in defensive pass EPA per play. 35th worst in defensive pass success rate. Um, 
and like I said, they give up a lot of points. I think this is going to be a not a shootout per se, but I feel pretty good about this game total being like in the 50s. Um, and I think Preston Stone's going to have a nice bounce back week here. All right. I did. I, I looked at that SMU offense, but uh, I did not end up opting for any of them. Uh, my first guy here is Mackie Hughes, the two lane running back. True freshman there. Is he true freshman? He's a freshman. I don't want to. I don't want to. He might be a set. He might be a red shirt. I don't know. Freshman um, on the roster. Yes. He is. Uh, they're going up against North Texas this week. Uh, North Texas has been, by pretty much all metrics, the uh, worst rush defense in college football this year. Um, so, you know, that that's a, that's that's usually a good one. And Hughes has really been growing into his starting role, uh, seeing increased touches here over the past, uh, really since week one, he only has one game with fewer than 14 carries in the past two weeks. He has 22 and 26 carries. Um, they, they, they really have been leaning on him and he can catch the ball a little bit as well. So I like Hughes this week, uh, over a hundred yards and a touchdown feels, uh, feels pretty good for him. Um, and we, we actually, we, I think our, our company Slack was talking, I think a lot of us bet his prop this week. And so that worked out. Uh, pretty well for us. Uh, I also have Hughes. Um, oh, a lot of the same reasons that you said, but um, just to, to underscore it, back-to-back weeks with 22 or more carries, back-to-back weeks with 120-plus yards and a touch and at least one touchdown. So uh, he has been very good, and you, you North Texas run defense has been very bad. All right. Well, I guess it's back to me then. Uh, I'm starting Taj Brooks this week. The uh, Texas Tech running back against uh, BYU. BYU has really not been very good uh, against the run, uh, quite frankly. And Brooks has really handled the workload for them over the past couple of weeks. I think, you know, I'm assuming that Baron Morton's going to be out again. They've got a true freshman quarterback back there. I think that means they're going to lean on the running game a little bit more. And over the past five games, carries of uh, 19, 25, 21, 31, and 18. He has four touchdowns in that span, only one game under 100 yards. That was last week, and he still went for 98 on 18 carries. So I, I like Brooks. I think they're going to lean on him here over the next couple of weeks, and I, I think this is a good spot for him. And I think the game script favors it as well. Okay. Um, I like that call. Uh, my next start here is somebody on the opposite side of that North Texas two lane matchup. Um, Jay Macklin, uh, wide receiver for North Texas. Um, they have, he has scored in every single game this year. Um, and he has had at least 50 yards, uh, receiving in every single game this year. Uh, obviously he's gone over that in, in number, a number of games as well, but he's been, his floor has been very good. Um, and Tulane's pass defense is, is not very good. Um, 102nd mo- uh, worst in the country, 249.8 pass yards allowed. Uh, the rush defense has been pretty good. Seventh in the country with 77 yards around, allowed. So this is more of a pass funnel defense. Uh, I, I actually think this, the game total for this one is 61 and a half. Uh, and I think that, uh, you, North Texas is, is going to be able to, to put up some points on them here at least. So uh, I like Jay Macklin. All right. I'm starting Ricky White this week, the UNLV wide receiver against Colorado State. Colorado State giving up some pretty big passing performances here so far this season. They are a bottom 10 pass defense in the country. And White 
you know, he really kind of had those disappointing first two weeks. Um, but since then, he's had uh, 17, 11, 6, and 8 targets. Uh, he's put up 100 yards twice in that stretch, had a couple of touchdowns this past week. I think this offense is starting to kind of find its groove a little bit. He seems to be one of their main guys, and I think he's in uh, due for another nice performance this week against Colorado State. I like that. I was I was definitely considering Ricky White there. Um, I think that's a good call. Uh, my next start is Theo Weiss, uh, wide receiver for Missouri. Um, I didn't think you would go there. Yeah? Do you have him on your list too? Yeah, I do. Hmm. Uh, they get South Carolina this week. South Carolina is a terrible pass defense. They're a sieve. And yes, Luther Burden has been like the guy there for Missouri. He's been a stud this year for fantasy purposes. Uh, but Theo Weiss has been pretty good too. He's got um, four a touchdown in four straight games. On uh, his last three games, seven, eight, and 13 targets. So he's been ramping up uh, his workload this year. So, And I think that he'll he'll have a big game here against South Carolina. Yeah, especially because Luther Burden's banged up right now, too. So I do think right. that, that lends itself uh, to to a little bit of a uh, Theo Weiss week as well. Um, so I agree. I agree. I, had, I have two leagues where I couldn't afford to drop him this year. There you go. And, and actually, one of those leagues, I also couldn't afford to drop Brian Thomas Jr. So I got really lucky in that league. Um, but I, those, those guys have been nice and consistent, uh, at least in the, the recent weeks. Uh, all right. Well, my next start here is Quinn Ewers, quarterback for Texas. Um, they get Houston this week. The last time we saw Quinn Ewers, he was on by last week. Um, 13 fantasy points against Oklahoma. Not a good performance at all. He has struggled a bit in his last three games. He has one passing touchdown in each of his last three games. He has three interceptions over that uh, span as well. But they have a get-right matchup here with Houston. Houston is not a very good pass defense. They allow the 100, uh, they're 117th uh, in the country. They allow 267 passing yards per game. Feels like a very much uh, a get-right spot here for Quinn Ewers. I am starting Braden Bennett this week, Coastal Carolina running back. Uh, digging a little deeper for this one, yeah. So Bennett, uh, what we thought he was going to be really good last year, and then he got injured, and they kind of played this will he, won't he play uh, game all season, and he, re- he really didn't until the end of the year. Uh, and they started him off a little slow this year as well, and I think Coastal Carolina early this season was really kind of working to figure out what their new offensive identity was going to be. But the past couple of weeks, he's had 15 carries uh, against Georgia Southern, against App State, and he's also had uh, 10 targets uh, combined in his past three games. So I think they're starting to get him a little more involved there. I think this is a really good spot for him. Uh, they play Arkansas State this week. So I, I think that uh, Bennett uh, is going to have a decent week this week. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, my next start here is Andrew Armstrong wide receiver for Arkansas. He's a guy that I've said a couple times on this show. Uh, He has been uber consistent, 16, 16, 13, and 18 fantasy points in four of his last five. The worst game of the year came last week. We had 10 fantasy points against Alabama. Uh, He only had five targets in that game. That was kind of an odd game um overall game script wise and everything so i'm not putting a ton of stock into that andrew armstrong is still the passing like the leader in this passing attack 
And they get Mississippi State this week, who is just a terrible pass defense. Seventh worst in defensive pass EPA per play. Fifth worst in defensive pass success rate. They're a sieve. So I'm going to fire up Andrew Armstrong this week. I'm starting Ontario Brown this week, who's been really, really hot and cold. But they get uh, Eastern Michigan here in this one. Um, you know, I think he followed up that huge performance a couple weeks ago, that the 280 yards, four four touchdowns. They had Ohio last week, Ohio, a really good rush defense, but EMU is is not. So, um, you know, I think he's he's uh, due for a nice week there. All right. My next start is Davis Brin, quarterback for Georgia Southern. Um, tough, tough look last week. I, uh, yeah, tough look last week. I said to, he was the, one of my favorite prize picks plays. Uh, he did not hit the, his 290.5 yards. He was 271, but, uh, the volume is still there. He's at least 46 pass attempts in every single game. And the two games prior to last week, 25 and 30 fantasy points. And they have the best matchup. You could ask for ULM is the you Louisiana Monroe is the worst team in defensive pass EPA per play and second worst in defensive pass success rate. This is a terrible pass defense and they're going to throw all over the field on this team. Uh, so I'm firing up David Brin, Davis Brin. I'm starting Thomas Castellanos this week the Boston College quarterback. And you like how I said that, Colin? I, I put the L's in there just for you. You did. You did. Georgia Tech Wrong. has one of you the did. worst rush defenses in the country, and I just think he's going to take advantage of that. I think, you know, with how good he is with his legs, honestly, I think 100 and a touchdown at least is not out of the question for him just as a rusher. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, my next start is Luke McCaffrey. Wide receiver for Rice, another guy who's made a appearance in our list a couple of times here. Um, he in his last three games, 15, 8, and 8 targets, 100 yards in two of his last three. Uh, they get Tulsa this week. Tulsa's sixth worst in de defensive pass success rate, 12th worst in defensive pass EPA per play. They are 122nd in terms of pass yards allowed per game with 270.3. So that's a soft matchup, too. All right. Um, here's one, Colin. I guarantee we haven't said yet. I'm starting Noah Smith this week. Ooh, okay. Sam Houston State wide receiver. Uh, they take on FIU. He has – it's so weird what the Sam Houston offense did. I, they sandbagged the first couple of weeks. I don't know what they were – they were like ran like no plays. They had no offensive identity. And they were like, oh, okay, I guess we, I guess we should play now. He, now they're just throwing the ball all over the park. Smith himself has 37 targets over his past three games. He hasn't been putting up gaudy stats because he's their slot guy. It's kind of low A dot, non-explosive plays. But, you know, 10, 10 catches for 90-something yards is kind of like the norm for him now. And if he gets a touchdown in there, you know, that's a really, really nice day. Um, so I just think the, the volume is too hard to pass up there. I, I like Noah Smith this week. Uh, I like that too. That's a, a guy that we um, could have said about on the waiver wire segment because i think he's probably out there in a fair number of leagues yeah yeah you're probably right uh my next start here is sean atkins the wide receiver for ucf and you laugh and i said i wanted a, a detailed scouting report on him on the, the tailgate this past week i know i know right um 
but he uh he 10 and 11 targets the last two weeks uh byron brown's a little banged up right now uh he got hurt in that last game he had to come out um so that's definitely something to keep an eye on if he does play he might need to throw the ball uh, a little bit more than than run it um and if he doesn't play that bryce archie it looks like he would be next up in line there and archie is more of a passing quarterback um so both of those tend to benefit atkins the biggest benefit to Atkins, though, is that they play UConn. Uh, UConn is the third worst de- team in defensive pass EPA per play, third worst in defensive pass success rate as well, uh, and they allow 251.3 pass yards per game, which is 104th. So it's a soft matchup. All right. I'm rolling out Carson Steele this week, and I know that he, from like a fantasy perspective, has not been amazing this year because they've kind of been splitting the backfield there. He's had, he's been a little touchdown dependent, quite honestly, but the past two weeks, he has gone over a hundred yards. He went 30 for 141 against Washington state, but he didn't score. So that, you know, it was kind of a, a, a middling fantasy day there. But then last week had uh, 22 carries for 110 yards uh, and a touchdown against, uh, against Oregon state, which is one that, you know, a pretty, pretty good rush defense there. I think he's kind of coming into his own. We heard all those, those stories about, you know, he, he hadn't been very good in the spring. He wasn't owning this backfield. Well, he, he's kind of making it his now they get Stanford. Um, classic letdown spot, I guess, like <laughs> the biggest win that any of them are going to have while they're there at Stanford. I don't, uh, it's a, it's a big, big win there. So I think, you know, this is going to be a good week there for steel. Okay. Yeah. I think that's uh that's a good call there as well. Uh, my last start, is Josh Hoover, quarterback for TCU. I said it earlier. Vacuum air, baby. The vacuum air. Told it. I said it earlier. I'm buying all the Hoovers. Door-to-door vacuum salesman right here. Um, He threw the ball 58 times last week in a game where they led 31-8 to at the half, and the second half was never closer than three scores, and they threw the ball 58 times. Uh, like I said, there's some rumors floating around that the players think Hoover is going to be able to open this offense up a little bit more. Uh, and then they get Kansas state this week. Kansas state's a very good run defense seventh in the country in both defensive rush EPA per play and defensive rush success rate. They're very middle of the pack in terms of their uh, advanced passing defensive stats, but they allow 265.5 pass yards per game, which is 115th in the country. So this is more of a pass funnel defense Sets up for my guy, Josh Hoover. I'm picking him up this week off the waiver wire and starting him. My last one's Jackson Dart. Is that cheating? He's been pretty good this year, but it's not like he's been like, you know, the must-start player of the week. If he is, I, I can I can uh, um with another guy. But they play Auburn. Yeah. I think he's just going to, like, destroy yeah. Auburn this week. No, I, I won't. I'll, I'll give it to you. You need one. You need a win. That was the most condescending thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. Uh, uh. All right. So I will read off my starts here. Um, Please do. For Preston Stone, quarterback SMU. Makai Hughes, running back to Lane. Jay Macklin, wide receiver North Texas. Thea Weiss, wide receiver Missouri. Quinn Ewers, quarterback Texas. Andrew Armstrong, wide receiver Arkansas. Davis Brin, quarterback, Georgia Southern. Luke McCaffrey, wide receiver, Rice. Sean Atkins, wide receiver, UCF. Uh, and, or USF. I'm sorry. 
this in. I don't know if I said that wrong before, but I had it wrong on my sheet. Uh, and then Josh Hoover, quarterback for TCU. All right. And my 10 are Makai Hughes. Like you said, Taj Brooks, running back, Texas Tech. Ricky White, wide receiver, UNLV. Theo Weiss, wide receiver, Missouri. Braden Bennett, running back, uh, Coastal Carolina. Ontario Brown, running back, NIU. Thomas Castellanos, uh, quarterback, Boston College. Noah Smith, wide receiver, Sam Houston State. Carson Steele, running back, UCLA. And then Jackson Dark, quarterback at Ole Miss. All right, let's go into our sits, Colin. And I usually lead this one off, so I will just jump right in. And you're going to hate this one. Oh, boy. I'm sitting the entire Penn State offense. The entire Penn State offense. Wow. Offense hasn't been very good this year. Offensive line hasn't gotten a ton of push in the run game. I think outside of the Iowa game, Drew Alars looked average. I don't think they have any receivers that you really have to worry about. I think they struggle this week. I think they really, really struggle this week. I'm sitting the entire Penn State offense. I don't hate that. I actually think this game is going to be um, more defensive than what people seem to be thinking. I'm definitely leaning on the under on this one. I considered uh, Marvin Harrison on here too, junior. But then I remember that he went for like 10 for 185 yeah. last year. You don't someone. I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, you don't sit Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> you have to play. Um, I considered saying sit everybody in this game except oh, that's, Marvin Harrison Jr., but that's too bold. I can't. That's crazy. Because one person can ruin that. Yeah. But I don't like a lot of guys in this matchup, and I am sitting Nick Singleton, the running back for Penn State here. Uh, he has, he's Win. starting to get a, more carries, uh, 15, 21, and 17 carries the last three weeks. Um, he has a good amount of targets. He had six targets in one of those games as well. So he's been involved in the pass game, which I think is a really good sign for him. But like you highlighted with Penn State's offense, like you highlighted with, like I mentioned with this game, I think this is going to be a lower scoring game than many people are expecting. Ohio State's rush defense is also very good. Uh, 17th in rush defense success rate, 16th in defensive rush EPA per play. Um, this is just not the week to start Singleton. He could break off a long run. It's always a possibility for him, but you're, I wouldn't want to bet on it. I'm sitting all of my Ohio State running backs too. I didn't mean to be all in one game, but I'm sitting every single one of them. I don't care. Travion, Mayan, Dallin Hayden, Chip Tree, and I'm... So you're sitting, but you're basically sitting everybody in that, that game except Marvin Harrison and maybe Igbuka. Or, like, would you start McCord? I don't know. I wouldn't sit him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Fair enough. I don't know. Fair enough. Uh, I have Travion Henderson on my list too. Uh, I know he was hurt last week, but it was Purdue and they were definitely resting him for this week. Um, but Penn state is a very good rush defense and the way to beat Penn state on the ground is what Michigan did last year. And that's pound the middle. That's not what Travion does. Well, um, Penn state has speed on this defense. They have speed on the outside, um, should hopefully be able to contain Travion. The worry would be, um, Mayan or chip train him like up the middle, just pounding them over and over again. That would be my biggest worry about the the running backs. But don't have to worry about it with Travion. That's why I'm sitting Travion. 
I'm sitting Jamal Banks against Pitt. Banks, <laughs> you also have Jamal <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to have the same sit list. Oh, no. Um, I think it was kind of a tough week to come up with sits, in my opinion. So it actually Banks, was. I do agree. Banks has, the past weeks, he's actually had 12 and 10 targets. But the problem is they're not really doing anything with them. I think we definitely thought that this offense would not skip a beat or wouldn't it wouldn't take a huge step back without Sam Hartman because the offense is the offense. But they haven't been very good. Quarterback play has struggled. Banks literally gets like averages like zero yak. So if he's not catching a deep bomb for a touchdown, he's kind of worthless. And I think Pitt, they're awake now, baby. They're awake. <laughs> They're hungry. Now they have somebody besides Jerkovic under center. They've had a taste of blood now. They want more. So <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, yeah, I think, I think Pitt wins this week. And I think Jamal Banks stinks from a fantasy perspective. I am also sitting Jamal Banks. Uh, the, the quarter, I'm not. So with Jamal Banks, like the volume has been there, kind of like you highlighted, but unless he scores, you're going to be hard-pressed to get a, a total that you feel good about out of him. And that quarterback play has been so bad. Uh, I think that there's – I mean, Mitch Griffiths got benched last week, mm -hmm. I think, right? Yeah, so, I mean, they're going to go back to him this week, but he's been that bad. It's hard to trust anybody in this Wake offense. I'm glad I unloaded him on some idiot in one of my leagues. <laughs> yeah, what a sucker. Who would buy Jamal Banks? I always think to myself, who's the biggest sucker? And then I end up selling them to Colin. Um, I'm sitting Cam Ward this week against Oregon. Colin just sitting here with his like smile like, you're not hurting me, I swear. But deep down, he's being hurt a little bit. No, uh, I'm Cam laughing because I also have Cam Ward. Son of a... <laughs> I just think something is a little wrong with this Washington State offense. I agree. I think something's broken there. Now, Lincoln Victor is playing again. I don't know what his level of health is, but he played a little bit last week. So, you know, maybe a slightly healthier Lincoln uh, Victor uh, fixes things, but I kind of doubt it. So I'm I'm sitting Cam Ward until further notice. Colin is a dirty copycat. I yeah. I mean, they play Oregon this week. Um, and yeah, that's, that's not a good opponent. It's not a good matchup. Uh, and Cam Ward has thrown for less than 200 yards in each of the last two games. No touchdowns, three interceptions, six and five fantasy points. The whole offense has struggled in the last two games. Like you said, uh, that this something's not quite right. They have 234 and 216 total yards of offense in those last two games. Oof. And I don't think the Oregon game is the get right game. So I am also sitting Cam Ward. And I swear to God, if you say my next guy. No, Colin, I want you to say your next sit first. Because I don't trust that you're not just copying me as we're going on the list here because you didn't come prepared. <laughs> uh, I'm always prepared. I'm a professional. Um, I've also been expanding upon your points as mm -hmm, we've been talking. Mm -hmm, so okay. Just saying. Uh, Jalen Buckley, wide receiver, or running back for Western Michigan. No, you're good. All right. Um, they play Ohio. And like you talked about earlier when you were talking about Antario Brown, this Ohio run defense is very good. Uh, they're second in the country in defensive rush EPA per play, 12th in defensive success rate. Uh, Jalen Buckley has been very up and down. He's hard to trust on a week-to-week -week basis, but I'm definitely not trusting him in this matchup. All right. Uh, I'm sitting Houston quarterback Donovan Smith this week. 
We're, we're clear? No, we're clear? I have Donovan Smith. No, dude, I don't believe you. You're full of crap. <laughs> I swear to God, I have Donovan Smith too. <laughs> Do you I want to go ahead? This. Go, I don't go play ahead. this game anymore. This game's stupid now. Do you want me? I'll just, how about this? Do you want me to go first? Yes, on, I want you to go the first rest the for the rest out? of the time. Okay, because we've had luck. We've had luck doing that. Okay. Um, on Smith. <laughs> Wait, am I supposed to go first on Donovan? Texas. I mean, that's they're playing Texas. Yes. He really hasn't been very good this year. No, it's it's all volume based with him. And and yes, he's gonna get some volume in this game, but because I think Texas is gonna score based on me having Quinn Ewers as a start. Uh, but yeah, Donovan Smith has not been been very good. Uh, he was terrible in the first half against West Virginia. He saved himself in the second half uh, and on that big last touchdown pass, which was total luck against West Virginia. You're total um, luck. So I do not trust Donovan Smith this week. Um, my next sit is RJ Harvey, running back UCF versus Oklahoma this week. Do you have RJ Harvey? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't understand how this happened so you you do have rj harvey yes i have rj harvey okay well I mean, they get oklahoma this week oklahoma is 12th in defensive rush epa per play they are a solid defense overall but their rush defense is solid uh, as well and i think this game script is going to get out of hand for UCF, uh, which is not going to work in RJ Harvey's favor because he's been kind of touchdown dependent. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I'm going to go back to being first again. LJ Martin? No, I do not have him. You're okay. good. Okay. BYU running back LJ Martin. For all the reasons I listed earlier about what I think of this offense overall, they take on Texas Tech. He's been really touchdown dependent. I just, I, I, I think this is, uh, Texas Tech has been pretty decent lately and defensively they've they've definitely tightened up a little bit okay oh, i've actually had to skip around on my list because i've had these same guys so i gotta find where i was ah all right uh marshawn lloyd running back for usc uh, i'm sitting him this week um last week was his lowest point total of the season with 11.2 uh, his other ones have been right around like 15, 16 fantasy points. So he's been fairly consistent, but he's only had 15 carries in a game. Like that's his max. Uh, he had a game with 14 and a game with 12. So the volume really hasn't been there unless he's scoring. He's not really that valuable. And they get Utah this week, who is top 15 in both rush defensive rush EPA per play and defensive rush success rate. Uh, this just kind of feels like a, a get right game for Caleb Williams. I would be surprised if Marshawn Lloyd carries the ball more than eight times this week. Yeah, that's not a bad shout. I have Brendan Rice from that same game, and I just don't think he's gotten enough targets to be like consistently scoring well for fantasy. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think against Utah, it's going to be a, a lower scoring game here. Okay. Uh, I am sitting Darius Taylor running back for Minnesota. I know he has been banged up, uh, but PJ Fleck said he is practicing this week. Uh, so I would expect him to come out there this week, uh, but they get Iowa 
and Iowa is a very tough matchup defensively. I also expect this to be a very low scoring game. Uh, they might ease Taylor in this week too. So keep an eye on the, on the report. Fortunately, the big 10 has to report two hours before game times now, um, whether players are in or out, which is really nice. But uh, if Darius Taylor goes, I'm not, I'm not starting him. I'm sitting Will Howard this week, and I am sitting Will Howard for the foreseeable future. I don't think you can roll him out there anymore. They seem to like Avery Johnson, the true freshman, friend of the show. We had him on our uh, our uh, signing day coverage this year or this past mm-hmm. year. And I, I mean, I think it's part of what made Howard so appealing was some of that rushing upside. And I think if Johnson is taking all of that away from him, you know, expecting him to get that kind of pass volume is not gonna happen so i i I think you can't start will howard ever again until something happens to avery johnson or he can prove that that the job is his do you think avery johnson takes this job over because i my big worry with avery johnson to start this year like i i liked him kind of as a player i did like him as a fantasy asset but i was worried about will howard being there yeah I think the problem is that I think if you're starting Avery Johnson, it's a bit of a a waving the white flag on the regular season because you don't know what Johnson can give you. Like, can he be an actual quarterback? I don't really know. Yeah. So I, and I don't think they're at that point in the season yet where like, they're just going to punt the whole thing. So no, I don't think he's going to take this job unless like they give him a couple of passes here or there and he looks really freaking good. But, I, I I mean, and he could, I don't know, but I don't think he will take this job this year full time. No. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Just my, enough. my read on it, but who knows? Fair enough. Uh, the last guy that I am, it, it is me, right? This is it's my you. last one. Okay. Um, last guy I'm sitting is Will Shipley uh, running back for Clemson. Uh, they get Miami. This week, Miami is a pretty solid run defense. Uh, They're top 20 in defensive rush success rate and defensive rush EPA per play. So they have a good rushing defense. Uh, Their pass defense is not very good, as we saw with uh, Drake May, who carved them up. So the, the caveat there is that Shipley might get some passing game work, which could help bail him out. Uh, but I felt like saying Phil Moffa was cheating because you're probably not starting Phil Moffa anyway. Yeah, so I also had Shipley, but I'm going to actually pivot because I'm just tired of tired of agreeing <laughs> of agreeing with you. Yeah, so I'm just, I'm looking at the schedule here real quick. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Man, hmm. this is this is insane. The level of agreement that we are this week, which means we're both going to be terrible this week. You oh yeah, we're right? both we're going to go like six and fourteen. Uh, how about this one? see if he's let me just double check something here do you want me to run through mine while you're checking something okay he has two different profiles on pff that's interesting um squirrel white has him aquarius white and a squirrel white uh uh, profile on pff that's fun uh i'm sitting i'm sitting squirrel oddly enough i was considering him too so there you go against alabama i think they're gonna put milton under some serious pressure and quite frankly white hasn't been very good this year anyway so there you go man that was 
the weirdest start sit segment that we've had. It was fun though. It was, yeah. Here's my 10 real quick. Penn State offense, all of the Ohio State running backs, Jamal Banks, wide receiver, Wake Forest, Cam Ward, quarterback, Washington State, Donovan Smith, Houston quarterback, RJ Harvey, UCF running back, LJ Martin, BYU running back, Brendan Rice, USC wide receiver, Will Howard, Kansas State quarterback, and Squirrel White, Tennessee wide receiver. Uh, I am sitting, uh, and this is the order that I actually had it on my sheet, uh, but I am sitting Nick Singleton, running back Penn State, Travion Henderson, running back Ohio State, Jalen Buckley, running back Western Michigan, RJ Harvey, running back UCF, Cam Ward, quarterback uh, Washington State, Donovan Smith, quarterback Houston, Jamal Banks, wide receiver Wake Forest, uh, Marshawn Lloyd, running back USC, uh, Will Shipley, running back Clemson, and Darius Taylor, running back Minnesota. All right. Well, that is going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Thanks for tuning in here with us. Make sure you're checking out everything over at campusdecanton.com. For anybody that isn't aware, we had a little bit of an issue with our uh, uh, payment processing uh, on the back end of the website. So a lot of memberships, um, basically, you signed up once. And then you never paid again, but it kept your membership open. So we settled all of those memberships this weekend. You would have received an email. Go ahead and check your email inbox and make sure that you are not affected. Because if you are, you don't see a credit card charge coming through. The odds are your membership probably either ended yesterday or ends at the end of this month. So, yeah, um, I, I will just add on to that, that sometimes like if somebody has unsubscribed from our emailing list, they will not get those emails. Um, so um, if you unsubscribed and you did not get an email or if you want, if you did not get an email, that is most likely why is you unsubscribed. Colin and I spent yesterday going through hours, hundreds hours. of, <laughs> yes. So, uh, hours. We, we, we took care of all of that. Um, but yeah, go, go, go make sure that you've still got your membership over at campus to Canton. And if you're having any issues as always DM us at campus to Canton on Twitter, uh, do not DM me. I, you won't get an intelligent answer back. DM the thing or DM Colin at C2C. <laughs> or you it. can send us an email, respond to the email that we sent to you, reach out in the Discord, you know. Let Lots me know if you ways. have questions. Well, the odds are you might have just lost your access to the Discord. That's we, fair know we, had, we know we had a few of those. Um, all right, yeah. So check out everything over on the YouTube page, all that good stuff. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Campus Life. Until then, guys, I'm Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one.